All right, we're recording. This is it. This is the first episode of Business Partner Partners. So, if you're new here, which is everyone, because this is new, um, I'm Ryan. I'm Chrissy. And we are happily married, and we also run a business together. Um, We get a lot of questions about people that want to start a business, or uh, we'll get into this later, but want to start a nonprofit because we have a nonprofit as well that we've worked with in the past. And so we decided this would be a good and fun outlet to kind of uh, basically be a place for other partners of any type starting businesses, but also just people in businesses um, to have a a place. We've talked about it before, but it can be lonely starting a business. And so we want this to be a place where people can kind of understand some of the struggles that we've gone through, that we're going through, and really just get a peek into um, what we're doing. And so Today, Chrissy and I are going to kind of walk through the timeline of how we got here, what our business is. You'll learn that in just a second um, to really kind of set the stage for the whole thing. But we've got a couple formats that we're going to be recording. Uh, Sometimes it'll be Chrissy and I talking to each other, which we do a lot. Uh, And then sometimes we'll have someone in some adjacency to either one of our lives interviewing us. So a friend or um, maybe one of my coworkers. I have a day job, spoiler alert. Um, and so that'll be one other format. And then we're also planning to do interviews with other partners that run other types of businesses. So it will not just be us talking, but it will be a lot of us talking. Great. So let's get started. Let's tell our, let's tell our as our daughter calls it, Oregon story. Oregon story. So yeah. She's just starting to read. And so she was reading about an origin story and she was telling us later, mom, this is, this is like your Oregon story. So that's what we're calling it. Yes. Our Oregon story. Our Oregon story, which leads us to probably we can preempt some of the Oregon story with we have a eight-year-old daughter who came up with the Oregon story and a six-year-old son. So a little bit of context there. But I'll let Chrissy kick off the timeline of how we ended up where we are today. So we're not going to take you back to 1984 and 86 where it all started, but we're going to take you back to 2007, which doesn't seem that long ago in my mind, but apparently it's a pretty long time ago. Yeah. You're trying to, I see you trying to do the math. Don't do it. Okay. Uh, year math is hard. Okay. So in 2007, little old Ryan is graduating from Clemson and he um, does an internship for a ministry in Spokane, Washington, right after he graduates. So he goes out there and he's working with kids from under-resourced areas and taking them on outdoor adventures. Tuck that in the back of your mind because this is going to sound familiar in a little bit. Um, he's out there for a few months and then decides he misses warm weather and college football. And so he returns fall of 2007 and starts a job in the field that he actually studies at Clemson as a print production coordinator. Was that your title? Wow, that was my title. I was me. working at an ad agency here in Greenville. It was called Bounce. And I'll never forget, it had a big red ball hanging off the side of the building. Still there. Still there. So if you're in Greenville, there's a little um, something you can find when you're walking around downtown. So Ryan's working at his agency, and then 2008, the younger of us two, <laughs> me, Chrissy, graduated from Clemson, and so Ryan's living in Greenville, and we meet through mutual friends in Greenville at uh, just one of our friends' house, um, and so I thought this would be a nice time to ask, Ryan, what is your first memory of me? Whoa. Oh, whoa. That was the I memory. thought you were about to say something else. <laughs> no. Um... That's it. Whoa. You know, I'm not one for cliches and uh, I'm not very romantic, but it was, uh, I, it was love at first sight. Love at first sight, guys. You heard it here <laughs> first. 
which I don't even know if I believe in, but it was. So you have to believe in it. <laughs> um, okay, my first memory of Ryan was, so I saw him, so we had watermelon, and I saw him on the porch, and he was holding a half of a watermelon that people had had, had as leftovers. And he told me he was going to take it home on his bike, which I was confused about that, but he was going to take the watermelon home on his bike. That's how I got places. And eat the rest of the watermelon out and then use the half of the watermelon as a bowl for his cereal the next morning. And it would be so great because you wouldn't have to clean a bowl. Model of efficiency. <laughs> and then the other thing I remember about him, just first meeting him, him was everybody was like, that's Ryan. He never wants to get married. That was the thing. Uh, I had decided at that point, I had, I had sworn off marriage. Um, it just wasn't for me. It's for some people. So that was our first, that was our first memory. Um, so we start dating. I, um, which I felt like was a big feat because, wow, this boy never wants to get married, but he wants to date. That's cool. Not wise. But I had already planned to leave for Honduras the following month for one year to teach English in a bilingual school. So our first um, month of being together was in Greenville. So we would go on dates and talk. And my birthday was during that time. So we had a fun birthday date. And I was very hesitant to commit to being boyfriend-girlfriend when I was about to spend a year abroad. And because of Ryan's relationship past, his mother was convinced that he only wanted to date <laughs> me because I was going to be abroad. Um, but we did decide decide to start dating and our whole first year was long distance. So I was in Honduras, Ryan was in Greenville. So this was from July, 2008 to, the, to July, 2009. And then Ryan, I'll let you kind of take over where you are in July of 2008 and kind of that, how the rest of the year played out. Yeah. So Christy abandons me for Honduras. Um, I'm still here in Greenville working my agency job. And I, you know, I, I thought that the my time in Spokane was just like the fun thing I did after college. Like I got to go and be outdoors and work with, with kids that I liked working with. And um, it turned out that that stuck with me a little more than I had planned. And so kind of started just doing that on the weekends in Greenville. I, I lived in um, the cheapest apartment I could find, which meant that there were some neighbor kids um, who didn't have much to do. And so I would take them rock climbing on the weekends. And so never anticipated that being a thing, but um, it kind of, it kind of ended up that way. So um you know, just taking a handful of kids climbing here and there turned into like the boys and girls club calling and saying, Hey, we got your number. Can you take 40 kids rock climbing? And the answer was no at the time. And so, um, the end of that year around December of 2008, I actually, uh, left my full-time job at that agency and decided to try doing that full-time. And so, um, that was where the organization GOAT was born, which stands for Great Outdoor Adventure Trips. And the idea was uh, a nonprofit, uh, you know, at-risk kids here in the area who, didn't really have any exposure to the outdoors, we would take them on these free outdoor trips and use that as kind of a hook to uh, engage them and start to mentor them in, in the eventual plan of, you know, finding the kids that really enjoyed it, training them, and then hiring them to actually lead these trips. Um, and so I left the job, uh, started that full time. I filed for um, 501c3 in January of that year. We got it in March. And so we were officially a real organization off to the races, uh, 23, 24-year-old Ryan, clueless as to what he was doing, but trying it. So in March, right around when the 501c3 was approved, Ryan comes to visit me in Honduras. Um, and we profess our love to one another for the first time in Honduras. We did. Who said it first? I mean, I definitely did. I, I, re I was pre 
I was prepared to say it first no. if you didn't. I had the guts. I don't know. Yeah. And so uh, we did that. I came back home. Chrissy stayed in Honduras. Uh, and then eventually moved back to Greenville. And Chrissy um, wasn't planning to move to Greenville. She was trying to be independent. Um, we'll talk about that more later one day. But uh, moved to Greenville. Chrissy got a job at the Weston Poinsett Hotel as a front desk agent. She had a blog. You can probably find it somewhere on the internet about blogging from the front desk. Um, <laughs> and she did a bunch of different other jobs trying to figure out what she wanted to be when she grew up. Um, I was uh, running this organization full time. Um, and uh, the joke that we always talk about is that the, the biggest struggle early in our relationship is that Chrissy wanted to go out to eat all the time. And I was broke. I literally, uh, the first year, I paid myself $15,000 a year, and I was too nervous to pay myself that. So I told the board I was, and I wasn't writing myself paychecks because uh, I didn't think we had enough money to like survive as an organization. Um, but what I will say is nothing's changed about me. I still want to go out to eat all the time, but I've matured a little bit. Yeah. And so we, that is true. Um, and so the, we, we had that struggle. We, we've come out on the other side of it. We still want to eat out a lot. But, um, you know, a lot was happening in life then. So Christine moved back. We eventually decided to get married um, probably much later than uh, after many more years than Chrissy's mom would have preferred. But um, kind of staring at uh, getting married in the face, I, I was living in a small two-bedroom house at the time. Um, so this is early 2011. Early 2011. I'm living in uh, a two-bedroom house. Uh, all of the equipment for these outdoor trips is stored in the second bedroom. Uh, we had a full-time staff. Joey was working with me then. He and I were working out of the house. And during the summer, we had a handful of interns and a bus that we rented for the summer all out of my home. And the kitchen was where we prepped all the meals for all of the trips every day. So, you know, um, Bootstrapping. Not, not, ideal, uh, not an ideal situation to bring a wife into. And so um, we, we kind of, the organization was stable at that point. And so we thought, what, where, we need an office. We need, these people need to stop working out of my house. Uh, this gear, you know, we needed this extra bedroom. And so we kind of thought, like, what, what could we do? We didn't have, the organization didn't have a ton of money. And so we were like, we need a place for all this stuff, but we need a way to generate the, some money to pay the rent for it. And so um, the harebrained idea that I had was, let's just build a rock climbing gym. And so the thought was, we'll build an indoor rock climbing gym. It'll give us a really good place to work with the kids throughout the school year as well. And maybe people will pay us at night and on the weekends to, like, rock climb. Greenville didn't have a gym at the time. Maybe people will pay us and we can use that money to pay the rent and keep the lights on. And so um, that was... Yeah, that, so this is the first iteration of Mountain Goat. Yes. So the organization was Goat. Uh, the, the climbing gym became Mountain Goat, just, you know, adjacent names. And um, that began the probably most confusing thing of my life is trying to help people understand the difference in Goat and Mountain Goat. No one really understands that. My mom probably couldn't explain it to you. Um, but in theory, Mountain Goat is a for-profit company that funds the nonprofit and so provides funding for some of those trips. Um, and so we uh, released the building, uh, started building a climbing wall. Chrissy and I got engaged uh, in May and then married in November, all the while I'm building uh, a climbing wall with uh, some friends and my bare hands. Um, and we got married in November and then in January, the following year, so 2012, opened the rock climbing gym to the public and it worked. Uh, you know, a great space for the kids, interns, vans, buses, things like that, kitchen, uh, but also it was open to the public and people would come and, and rock climb and, and pay us money to do it. And that's how we paid the rent, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the climbing gym is going strong, going great. Yeah. Um, 
And I, at the time, am working at Furman University doing what I loved, which was working in the study away office. I worked with incoming international students and outgoing study abroad students. Um, so I think that my love for like college age kids and people from other countries, I think will kind of play into my strengths here at Mountain Goat that are to come. But just that's what I was doing during this time while the th- the the climbing gym is kind of thriving. So I honestly didn't really go to the climbing gym that that much, which I think is important for this story. Yep. Um, and I did. I maybe climbed twice, and that consisted of me going up like maybe half a wall. I mean, it's just not my thing. Just trying to be cool for me. Yeah, <laughs> not really. You were already married to me. Um, so in 2015, we have our daughter, um, and Surprise. then and then 2017, we have our son. And that's where things got really weird. So to your point, you know. We own this climbing gym. It's, it's doing really well, uh, you know, relatively. And there's a lot of people like you, right? There's a lot of people that are a, a part of our lives or want to be a part of GOAT and, and, like, see what we're doing with the kids, want to be a part of it. But if you don't rock climb, there's, there's no reason to hang out at a rock climbing gym. Like, you don't just go and, like, let me just, like, go sit around and watch these sweaty people climb up walls. And so a couple things happened all in, like, rapid succession. You know, we had, we had a couple kids. Um, there were two large commercial climbing gyms trying to move to Greenville. We were trying to build a bigger one. Some things really weren't working out with that. And then the lease on our original building. That's probably another full episode. That's a full episode. That's an a, a interesting story. But um, the lease on our building is coming due. And so we were going to have to sign a long-term lease. There were some issues with the building we were going to have to address and, and spend a significant amount of cash. And so we, it really didn't seem wise to do that as these other, you know, well-funded companies were coming to town to build a climbing gym. And so it, it kind of just worked out really well of, you know, we kind of started to think, okay, we might have to just close this thing down. It, it, you know, it might've run its course. It's been great, but there's, there's not like a great path forward for it. Um, but we still want a space. We still want a place to help fund some of the trips. We want a place for the kids to be able to hang out. And so I don't know actually where the idea came from. That's but, what I was going to ask you. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, so kind of going back to the, what you were saying earlier, like you never went to the climbing gym, you know, like m- maybe a couple of times. And so the driver, I think for me was what, is, what can we have that anyone, like anyone who wants to be a part of GOAT or see the kids or like contribute or participate, like what is just ubiquitous? Like what does everyone do? And so I think that's really, I kind of, I was basically sitting back and thinking like, what can we have a space that's welcome to anyone? And so that explains where we're sitting right now. And so in, um, in 2017, um, while we're thinking of wrapping this place up, we, you know, I floated to a buddy, Joseph of mine, who's uh, a good friend and um, also is in commercial real estate. And he had helped me look at buildings for years for rock climbing gyms. I said, what if we built a coffee shop and like maybe a bar? Like, could you look for a building for that? And so we found this building that we're sitting in right now. Um, it was in a neighborhood that's close to some of the kids we want to work with. Um, that was, transportation was always an issue getting the kids to us. And, um, you know, kind of coming off having issues with the buildings I, I, that we were leasing, I was really hesitant to enter into another lease. And so I was like, I really want to buy something. Like, let's buy a building. Let's make it our home. And um, maybe this, like, coffee shop and, and bar thing can work. Because, uh, you know, who doesn't get coffee? Or we, you know, spoiler alert, like, we're in a, we opened it. It's here. But we do coffee, we do beer and wine, we do tons of non-alcoholic drinks. And so there's really, it's, it's really approachable, like anyone can come hang out. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was kind of the vision for the place is like anyone 
who wants to be a part of it, they can come here and they can see it. Um, I feel like <laughs> when this was happening, so we closed on this building in November of 2017. I was, I was, old. yeah, I was like one month, month per postpartum. So I could have been convinced of everything. I was not, <laughs> or anything. I was not into having conversations at the time. I was in survival. Didn't ask many questions. So I feel like I was a little, I wasn't, I wasn't given a fair advantage to say no <laughs> because I was in a postpartum blur, but, um, yeah. And so we, let me also say this whole time, Ryan is still working full-time for goat. Yes. So that is still his full-time job. So during the summer, there's trips, there's tons of interns. Um, there's tons of trips. It's exhausting summers. And then during the year, there's mentorships. There's other like outdoor adventure clubs. Like there's just a lot going on with Goat. So Ryan's fully into Goat, and fully ready to commit to making this coffee shop and bar work. Yeah, and so we found a building that we're in right now. Uh, it was at the time a speed shop. So they made race car engines for MG race cars, little British race cars. Um, Which is a nod to Ryan wanting to be a NASCAR driver. I mean, so it's pretty appropriate. And there's still time. I think, you know, I think that's actually my true calling is a uh, race car driver. Um, I told you. I told you you could do it if you wanted to. <laughs> that's another story. Um, and so found the building. Um, I think our staff at the time thought I was a little crazy when I showed them, look at this building we just bought to make a cafe. And they were excited about the idea of a cafe. And then they saw it and they're like, this isn't, this is an engine shop. This is a dungeon. There's no glass. There's yeah. no windows. <laughs> we have a lot of glass now. Uh, we'll, we'll post some pictures. But um, you know, we were closing one business, opening a new one, buying commercial real estate, and we had just had our second kid. And so I'm like kind of having a bit of a midlife crisis of like, uh, you know, when I started this, like I said, 23, 24 year old Ryan, not that different in age from the kids we're working with. We're now at like 33 year old Ryan, you know, old white guy with a beard, two kids, not as relatable to the kids and like, honestly, just tired. And so, um, was kind of thinking like, I guess I need to figure out what I want to do when I grow up and like find someone with energy to like run this thing. And so um, I had been taking some like online, just like classes, watching YouTube videos, trying to decide like, could I like get into this code thing? And so um, in rapid succession, we closed a climbing gym, bought a building for me to run full time. And then I transitioned full time into uh, a software job. Uh, and we had a kid in there. Um, and so that's where things got really hairy is we're I'm, I'm working full-time in a new pretty unknown career and then moonlighting as a construction worker, getting, trying to get this shop open alongside the contractors. Um, because again, that was going to be something I could work on full-time. And so that slowed the process down, but um, we eventually did open and we're sitting here today. Yeah. So in 2018, we opened the doors. Um, what I will tell you too, as we are preparing for this. So keep in mind, still have under one year old as Ryan is working on all, all this moonlighting as a, construction worker and painter he's he's telling me because the climbing gym was successful and it was great like you know this place is just gonna run itself it's yeah. really not gonna be that big don't say yeah like you were right <laughs> it's really gonna be not that big of a deal um so I was going into this thinking like our family's not even gonna notice that this is happening yeah we we notice <laughs> we notice we, and lot. you weren't really involved in a ton of that no. like we just opened it up and here it was so um, when we opened, do you about, even remember? What do you mean? Do you remember when we opened? Yeah, I remember we opened, but I, it's mostly because I have a picture of this place being like blank and, and me feeling like this just, this looks like a school cafeteria. This does not look like a cool coffee shop. Um, it was just white walls everywhere. Yeah, but I don't remember the 
emotions or f- I don't remember anything surrounding it. Like, what were you feeling when you opened this? Were you, were you still like so confident? Like this is going to work. Also another note, when we opened, Ryan was like, we're going to do only canned beer, canned uh, beer forever. Oh, that was going to be cool. We no, got eight drafts, like within the six months. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we tried some things at first. Um, uh, that's, you know, you'll learn that's, that's, my bent you know I, I often like to try different things i've learned that there's a reason why people do things a certain way typically it's because it was what works but what were you what were your feelings when we first opened here what like what was your thought when we first opened i was overconfident and um and i'll explain why so we had been running the climbing gym at that point for six years um we had been through you know the the big the initial opening and like the days where like no one comes in the door like that had passed right like that was that was kind of distant memory and like we had gotten it to a sustainable place. And so there was two things that I, I that I overestimated. I thought that, so we, the, the coffee shop is named Mountain Goat as well. We kept the same name, same branding. I thought that the like recognition would carry over more than it did, but like moving different neighborhoods, different business, it didn't carry over as much as I thought. And then the other thing is when I was planning to do this full time, I, I was going to have a lot more time to devote to getting it open. And so the idea was, we would have overlap. So the gym would close after a few months after the coffee shop opened. And so we would be able to use the cash flow to like get us on our feet. In reality, because I was working a full-time job, instead of having three months of overlap, we had three months of gap where we carried our employees on payroll and, you know, paid rent on a building that was generating $0 in revenue. And so that dug us a little bit of a hole out of the gate more so than we wanted. And so the, I think I still, I mean, Hindsight's twenty twenty. I still think if we could have pulled that off, that overlap, I think it would have accelerated things, and I think we would have, you know, financially been in a better place. But I think that's cute that you think that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that wasn't the case, and so um, it, it became stressful pretty quickly for me. Uh, I don't know if I hid that well or not. You no? Oh, are you talking about how you ended up on the couch pretty much every yeah, night? Yeah, I would wake up and sleep. Wake up stressed <laughs> about things. Um, oh, I couldn't tell at all. <laughs> so yeah, so. Uh, it wasn't exactly what I thought. I, I, again, overconfident going in. And I think that's an, an important part of the story. And I think that's important for people to hear and understand is like, even with that kind of momentum, right? Like even having an existing business, having some level of cash flow, having some name recognition in the community, we still, we still ended up being the typical business story, right? Like we knew on paper, there's enough research to say like this type of business takes three to five years to become profitable. But I was thinking like, no way I'm better than that. And you're just not right. Like it took us three to five years to get there. Um, so, you know, that point, like three to five years in the middle, if you can do the math, 2018, we open smack dab in the middle of three to five years is the whole COVID thing. If you remember that, um, do you remember it? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> So before, uh, right before COVID, a couple of things happened. I kind of got to my, not breaking point, but I was like, I, Chrissy, I need help. Like, can you help me run this thing? I, you know, I thought I could do it. I thought I could keep you from this, but I asked for help. And then. So as a side note, he asked me for help. I was staying home with our two small children. I had quit my job at Furman after Bert was born. And um, so I was staying home with them and he was like, what could you what could you potentially do? And I was like, I don't know. I like, think, I think it was, what could you do? And then it was like, but could you do all these things? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I asked, but then I, I kind of told, like, I need help with these things. Yeah, it was like, it, we're not going to be able to survive if you can't. And then. Step up. Step up. And then 
again in like quick succession after that succession after that like you started stepping to help that was like end of 2019 beginning of 2020 january february 2020 i remember looking at you on point looking at the numbers and saying like i think it's starting to work like we're getting to break even and like poor poor us february 2020 and february is usually a, a rougher month because there's less days and so it's like man we're doing it in february like this is looking up and then within a month of saying that we fully closed down temporarily so yeah because neither of us are doing this full time Everything with COVID, the rules changed every day of like, you can do this, you got to wear masks, you can't touch this, take out only, this and that. And like, we just couldn't keep up. Neither of us had the, the margin to like change those things daily. And so we shut down fully for a few months. Yeah. Um, and then we reopened as to go only. But a side note, I think I didn't realize how stressed I have this tendency to not realize I'm stressed until my body reacts. I think that happens for a lot of people. It just shuts down. But no, it didn't shut down. But I remember we were closed for COVID. And I remember sitting on our couch at home because and being like, I was crying thinking about Mountain Goat reopening. Should we just never open it? Not crying because we were closed and not making any money. I was crying because I was like, I don't know if we can keep doing this as a family. Having two small children, running a business that's, barely surviving like we're we're thankful for like the five to go coffees that happen between eight and ten a.m you know like i i didn't know i don't i didn't know if i could keep going yeah and takeout is you know people were supportive during covid but it was the worst you know like you don't build like i said earlier like you build a coffee shop to have a place for community and like for people to see what's going on but like we had a literally one of the garage doors up and then a table and like the staff, you know, people would drive up, get a coffee and leave. Like no, there wasn't any really interaction. Everyone's wearing masks. Yeah. It was just a rough time. And it was tough for the students we served too. Cause like, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. Like our kids got sent home from school and like they had us, right? Like we just kind of picked up and did whatever. A lot of the kids we work with, like get sent home from school and like, it's basically like it's summer vacation. Like there's no one saying like, Hey, do your zoom classes. Hey, keep up with your homework. Like these kids kind of got forgotten. And so like, there was also the additional stress of that. Like, you know, working with the, the GOAT staff and, like, the lead staff to, like, understand, like, how can we actually, you know, be doing anything? Like, we couldn't do any programs here. And so it was, it was just a tough time. But um, So you just mentioned something I don't want to breeze past so that our listeners can have the context. So you said GOAT staff and lead staff. When was lead mm, collective officially – so lead collective was officially launched in what year? Oh, man. Um, I'd have to ask Cam. I think 2021. So a little bit of backstory. We, you know, the nonprofit started a long time ago. Somewhere along the line, um, a guy named Cam Hill showed up uh, at the climbing gym uh, to basically, basically he was the one that helped run the climbing gym. Like he was the first, first person that took it from me as like the manager. And, um, you know, we worked together for many years and, and really just became friends. And, um, somewhere along the way, Cam, Cam left, he was the pastor to church. Um, and then he and his wife started a nonprofit in a nearby neighborhood called Nicoltown. They moved there and started doing, you know, basketball and mentoring and, and stuff, very similar models to what he helped develop at GOAT. Um, and you'll, you'll hear from Cam. We're going to interview Cam and Joy. Um, they run the nonprofit now. And so like, Elias yeah, is what it's called. Well, and we'll lead. Yeah. But, um, so they, they started a, a nonprofit called Elias. Cam talked to me, you know, during COVID and was like, hey, we're going to, we're, we're doing this. It, it was kind of a similar story to mine. Like we're doing this on the side, like we're going to make a, an organization. And I was like, don't do that. Like 
we have all the liability insurance, all the paperwork, everything's covered. Just do it as part of GOAT. And like, if you want to, then you can later. And so they just ran as a, a program of GOAT essentially for a long time. And that got confusing because people are like writing checks to Elias and getting a tax receipt from GOAT and like very confusing. Uh, I guess that's probably a trend I'm noticing in my life, confusing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 2021, we actually legally applied to have GOAT as an organization renamed to Lead Collective. And that allowed us to have basically a parent organization that Elias and GOAT could be under. Now we've launched another ministry called Reach under that as well. But Lead is basically the, the parent org for all the nonprofits now. And, and the really cool thing is it allows, we basically brought Cam in full time to run that. And so, you know, neither GOAT nor Elias could probably afford someone as high capacity as Cam as a full time director. But we now have Cam leading that. We have different administrative staff that would be hard for each, each individual organization to have are all in that. And so, um, so lead has 13 staff members now, 13, 13 full-time staff, uh, three ministries that they're running multiple locations. Um, yeah. And so, uh, again, that, that will, I think in a couple of weeks we're interviewing Cam and joy, um, because they do a lot of that together. Um, not a business per se, but definitely like it, it, it feels like a business and, yeah. and they're running, you know, a big organization. So, um, yeah, and so we eventually opened back up to normal. Yeah, so Did you cry then too? <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, I think actually me telling you that I cried <laughs> thinking about it reopening gave me some freedom, honestly, of like, okay, yeah. he, knows how, he knows how taxing this is for me. And at that point, you were like, okay, we can't keep doing this. Like, what things can we change? So we, we reorganized some of my duties. We talked about things that I was, like the strengths I had and – things that I actually enjoyed doing and, and talked about what changes we could make. So, um, it's also, um, an ongoing trend in our relationship that it's interesting that you told me you cried. Cause usually there's a joke that if you're crying, I say, are you crying? Yeah. Ryan has the <laughs> worst response to people crying. It's like obvious teardrops on my cheeks and his response is always, are you crying? Like, yes, I'm crying. Well, crying's a funny thing for me. I, I, I don't, like movies, I, people crying at movies, I don't understand that. Like the only things that make me cry are, do you know the answer? There's actual human beings dying and when the Clemson Tigers run down the hill at the beginning of a football game. Those are the only two things that like I'm married tears. to a robot. <laughs> I have emotions. The Clemson Tigers run down the hill. That's, who doesn't get fired up at that? I have another time that you cried. Oh. oh. Is this podcast material? No, not podcasting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So stay tuned to hear yeah. why else Ryan cried. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a bonus episode of <laughs> Ryan tears. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think this brings us to a very interesting point. So all that's all setting the stage for we are Chrissy and Ryan. We run cafe and bar in Greenville, South Carolina called mountain goat that serves coffee, beer and wine, um, other drinks and, Dun, da, da, da. Liege waffles. So when we reopened with COVID, we, we were like, we have got to figure out something to dif- differentiate ourselves. What can we offer that nobody else in town is offering? So well, we didn't have backing up. We were like, we had pastries from like a local bakery. Yeah. We didn't have our own food. And yeah, like- so we were carrying pastries from a local bakery. That was awesome. We um, use strictly methodical coffee, which you can find other places in town. Um, and we 
have other drinks that are like the draft beer we have and, and the canned beer we're getting from local suppliers. So a lot of people were coming to Mountain Goat because they liked getting behind what we were doing, but that wasn't enough to keep a business going. We needed to figure out other ways to get people in the door and intrigued. And so we really just kept coming back to food. What is a food option that we can offer that'll make people stick around longer, that'll dif- differentiate ourselves, and what's something that nobody else in town is doing? So people are always asking, why waffles? So Why waffles? Christine? Why waffles? So we, um, we serve authentic Liège waffles. So Liège is a place in Belgium, and it's the style of the waffle it is. So it's a dough rather than a batter. And it's made with pearl sugar. And so it's more of a, like these, the dough rises. So it's more similar to like a a sweet brioche bread than it is like your typical batter waffle. So we make our dough here in house. We, we have an 85 pound cast iron waffle iron that's imported from Belgium. We import our pearl sugar from Belgium and we just do all different types of savory and sweet options. And I feel like I talk about this a lot. So this is like the real of like what we offer, but essentially the waffles took off. So we started doing just waffle Wednesday. And the the reason we got this idea, a lot of people ask this is I actually started just doing a lot of research on what breweries offer or other places like food trucks. And I actually found, um, a food truck. Burgundians. I know I need to give a shout, shout out, out to Burgundians. We are Burgundians. They're awesome. And where are they? Boston, Cambridge. No, they're a Rhode Island. Rhode Island. That's all the same. I remember because he said, you can do a road trip to see <laughs> us. But essentially, this is actually something else, another episode that I could talk about. But people in business being kind to one another and not gatekeeping, essentially. Like, he walked me through what it could be like to have Liege waffles here. and For nothing. He just did it. He spent his time and energy. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that he did that because we wouldn't be here now. We would have probably done honestly batter waffles, which is fine if you want to do the, you know, inferior version of waffles. But so we started testing recipes at home first, and then we decided to roll it out. So like I said, we started doing it only on Wednesdays and it picked up steam and people were intrigued. So we um, kept going. So we started on only Wednesdays and then we eventually, within a two year time frame, we moved to Wednesdays and Fridays, then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then Every day of the week they were open. So we're open 8 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Monday through Friday and then 8 to 5 on Saturday. Another topic is hours that were open, but we'll go back to that. So we now serve waffles every morning, and it's kind of become our huge differentiator, the reason people come and what people know about us. Side note, last year we actually converted a horse trailer into a waffle trailer and took it to the farmer's market. Another episode. It's another episode as well. (laughs) Anyways, um, so waffles have kind of taken us, us to the next level, and that brings us essentially to where we are now is just continuing to grow as a business and Ryan and I working together. And the reason that we want to share our experience is because I heard someone say on a podcast, you're most well-suited to help who you once were. Mm. And I feel like if we can be of guidance or assistance in the way that Burgundians was to us, to people that are just starting a business or working with their spouse and having issues of like figuring out who does what, that if we can offer that and be a resource, that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we're, that's the thought. That's what we're here to do is, you know, 
we've grown a lot from people pouring into us and, and answering questions and being resources. And so we, we also get a lot of inbound interest because we're doing something cool where people are like, Hey, I want to start a coffee shop or I want to start a business or I want to start a business with my partner or whatever that is. And we've seen enough of it that it feels like there is that, that interest. And so the, the, what we're looking to do here is to, is to just help. And so to, to build, um, a place where people can, can learn and grow, not from, not just from us, but from a lot of other people. And so some of the formats that we're kind of looking at doing are a little bit more like this, obviously not the Oregon story every week, but Chrissy and I talking about something that we're experiencing, whether that's working together, living together, or a combination of both. Um, and, and kind of just unpacking our journey as, as business partner partners. And then um, other weeks we have some folks scheduled who are adjacent to us in life, whether one of us or both of us that, that will kind of interview us from their perspective. So like a coworker of mine at my day job or someone that's worked with Chrissy before or a friend or a regular here at the shop or even an, an employee here at the shop. Um, and so that's another format. And then the last will be actually talking to other partners that run businesses together. So we we know a lot of folks that do that. Um, and so, you know, getting them in, giving us an opportunity to interview them and to, to understand the different types of couples that run business yeah. or partners that run business together. Yeah. I'm really excited because I feel like we are going to be learning a lot. Oh, very selfishly and excited. <laughs> from other couples and being able to implement their tips and tricks too. So this is a little bit selfish, but a, a lot of it like a share, a sharing mindset and yeah. heart behind it. Yeah. So, um, hopefully the Oregon story was, Sufficient. Sufficient. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. I feel like it's boring talking about myself. So. No, it's not boring. And if there's anything that you heard that you're like, tell me a little bit more about this, or can you go into depth about this? We'd love to get some more ideas for podcasts of just what you want to hear from when Ryan and I are so are doing it together, solo episodes. So um, shoot us a, an email or, or, or a DM or a DM yeah, on nothing, Business Partner Nothing's partners. off limits. So Nothing is off yeah. limits. Um, if you want us to like start live recording when we start fighting, I'll be like, hold on, <laughs> hold your, hold your thought, hold your anger thought and let me push record. It'd actually probably be an excellent exercise of like, I know I'm being heard. That's something that sounds like a much better idea than I think it is in practice. I'm like, wait, <laughs> pause and rewind of what you just said. Okay, great. Well, thank y'all so much for tuning in to uh, business partner partners today. And we're excited to launch this journey with y'all and thank you for listening. You can check us out on Instagram or our website. Which is linked on our Instagram linked as well. Linked from our Instagram. Yep, yeah. And sign up for our newsletter there. Um, we'll be sending out lots of fun tips, tricks, what's going on, we said, updates. We said the website's linked from our Instagram because at the time of this recording, we don't know what our website is yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like businesspartnerpartners.mailchimp.something. Something. We'll have a real one by then. Yeah. Okay. I will. All right. Like and subscribe. All right. Bye. Bye.